Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shed house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out I got a question for you guys, since this is re- going to be released like after Christmas and right after the new year. What gaming system did you first get for Christmas? I think Neil should go first because he works in the industry. <laughs> I got a fucking Atari 2600 um, when I was uh, God, you're probably old. Probably like five or six. <laughs> yeah, but the I mean that one didn't really stick. The one that really blew it up was the NES original. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have memories of Atari, but yeah, I mean, NES changed my life. <laughs> we we never had an Atari. My siblings were so so old that we had an Intellivision, Ooh. which was even before Atari. Mm-hmm. And then my oldest brother got a Nintendo, but I was really young. And then my first system was the Genesis. I just remember like getting it, and like all Christmas Day, like through uh, through winter break or Christmas break, was just Altered Beast, like playing Altered Beast. I played that Until the other we... day. Um, it was very really? disappointing, honestly. <laughs> no, I played it on my um, my uh, my Switch. I have like a Genesis emulator where I can play those games. I, it was like a poor man's Golden Axe. Well, yeah, you know? and I realized that the cover was a lot cooler than the actual game. Absolutely. All right, Anthony, what what about <laughs> you? Your first the gaming system. The sound of turning on the OG Sega, though. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I we had the NES, and it's weird. It's weird that I remember certain things. When I feel like knowing the year it was, it was you shouldn't have memories like that, but whatever. When we got the Super Nintendo, though, it was like full on the things that you would see. It's an internet meme now, right? Like all four of the kids, me and my sisters being like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, we yeah. played the shit out of the Super Nintendo, man. Yeah. It was like the, the happier version of Sega, right? Yeah, like Sega yeah. seemed like it, there was a little bit of like a a bad boy element to Sega, whereas Nintendo was like the the good kid, like hi guys, it's me, it's Mario. Yep. Where Sonic was like, let's fucking do this. I'm getting all the money. You got like uh, double dragons and Contra. We got Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> happy New nice. Year. Yeah, yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, well, okay. Last question on that, and then we'll move on to music. But uh, Neil, favorite video game all time? All time. It's got to be Mario. It's Mario. All the all yeah, the different you're going, iterations. You're going to Mario. Yeah. The Mario. Uh, I, I love Mario. I, I still play I Mario. I, I have a Switch, and I'm currently playing like five different Mario games. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, told you the Italians were making a comeback. We got Joe Flacco, <laughs> Tommy DeVito in it to me. <laughs> my my favorite video game of all time has to be The Legend of Zelda. The oh, Ocarina yeah. of Time. I mean it. The old one or like the new versions? Really, any of them, but the okay. the N sixty four version. Oh god, the Ocarina of Time is the one. I'm playing, and that. that's not a bad segue into music because I still I played it so much that like if you hear six or seven notes, you're like, was that from Zelda? <laughs> I'm currently playing through um, uh, Zelda: Link to the Past on SNES. So I think it was the height of like pixel art and like video gaming two D kind of stuff. It's, it's so soothing. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, it's amazing. For me, that would be, I'm going to do two. Like in my older game playing days, which was in college, would have been Final Fantasy X. I played that so many hours and beat it. And then younger days would be Mega Man. Yes, Mega Man. Just in, any of them. Any Mega Man. Any I, Mega I, Man? Any Mega I mean, I, if I remember correctly, like the second or third one was the best one. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, anytime they came out with a new one, I was just like... Going to the video store, renting it, keeping it as long as I could. I've been playing Mega Man too. Um, I just beat Heat Man the other day. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I were to, if I were to have been forced to choose beyond Mario, probably would have been Mega Man. Nice, nice. Now, Anthony, this is your third and final episode of this run. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe if we keep this going, you'll come back and see us at some point. But we always like to ask our guests 
Do you, well, first I'll ask you the question. Do, do you play instruments, which we've mentioned on here, but go ahead and let us know. Uh, I do. I do play the a, a couple instruments. I like to think that I, I more tinker than play, but I'm probably not giving myself a whole lot of credit. I play the guitar and the piano, and if you give me enough beers, I will sing. Okay. All right. Good. So you're singing the back the the backups on this on this cover this week. Is that right? Definitely the backup. <laughs> Just drunk backups. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So let's 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 start there. What uh, which instruments did you learn first? How old were you? I learned the guitar first, and I started playing the guitar at age twelve. Okay. And then when did you pick up keys? I, I say that I learned the guitar first because <laughs> that's the first instrument that I actually dedicated myself to learning. And I grew up in a super musical house, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you the story here because if I if I piece it up it's fine my family is a big family i'm irish yeah. italian both sides they're huge and not only in my immediate household but like the extended family we might as well be the von traps like at any given moment somebody's <laughs> gonna break out into song and you're like sitting over there like what just happened and why are there 10 women singing <laughs> legitimately that's my family but growing up in my house my dad had, he was so proud of his stereo system. He had like this sick uh, cabinet hi-fi. for it, the big speakers. It, it was awesome. But we would always be jamming. I have three sisters. We're all similar in age. So it was just like music is a part of our DNA. We had my grandmother's piano in our house. Even though I didn't officially play the piano, as kids will do, they'll find their way into tinkering and banging around on it. I actually have an aunt who's a music teacher. She's a piano teacher. This is around Christmas time. Our family does a, a huge Christmas party. There's like 150 people there. Everybody gathers around the piano. We sing Christmas carols. So it's just there. And I feel like I could kind of play the piano Yeah. before I started to play the guitar. But the guitar was like, I got to go learn. And I can tell you the exact moment that I knew that I was like, I have to go figure out how to play the freaking guitar i was begging my parents please 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 let me get a guitar i want to learn i want to learn and i never took piano lessons my two older sisters did and i hope that they listen to this podcast because i think what happened was my parents got tired of investing time into piano lessons for two girls that sucked at the piano (laughs) and didn't want to invest in a guitar to just have more clanging and banging throughout the house that that was not audibly pleasing gotcha yeah right But I remember, I think it was, I was in fourth grade watching the talent show. And there was a group of guys that were two years ahead of me. You know, you look up to these certain people. And I remember they played The Unforgiven by Metallica at a school talent show. And (laughs) just like me being in the fourth grade, it's like, I have to go get a fucking guitar. And I'm going to make this happen. (laughs) So my aunt that taught piano was a music teacher in a school. And I knew that she had this guitar under the stairs, like her basement stairs. I had just like always seen it. And mm-hmm. I went out of my way. I said, Aunt Joanne, can I borrow that guitar? I want to learn to play the guitar. She was like, sure, take it. Just sitting under there. It's like a Suzuki classical guitar. Sweet. So I was off. I'm like, I'm going to make this thing happen. I put steel strings on a guitar that you're supposed to put nylon strings on. Eventually, the whole bridge nice. came off. It's <laughs> a complete, complete nightmare. But I just learned by playing tabs, learning a Green Day song or a Blink-182 oh, yeah. song and kind of learning riffs and chords and that's, plotting that's away. And from there, it was just off. I was in the choir in high school. Shout out, Billy was also in the choir with me. Nice. nice. I actually think the choir is where I learned a lot of the music theory. Yeah. And then at the I mean, tail end of high school, after finishing playing football, I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all my time now that I'm not having to go lift and practice. So I finally came around to taking the piano lessons from my aunt that I never took as a child for about three or four months. But from there, it's just kind of been a hobby, man. It's, it's music is a passion of mine. I've never been in a band. I've played at a couple weddings, but it's just something that I, I, I just get pure enjoyment out of it, and I like it that way. Dig it. Period. Okay, so at, moving forward, were you ever in a band? I was never in a band. I, I jammed a bunch with my buddies. I've played some gigs, but never in an official band. And that's where I go back and forth. I'm like, 
I should do it. I should find a way to get into a band. But I just, I fear that if I make it something that I have to do, I'll lose the joy of doing it. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, it's never too late. Because if you find some people you can play with, you know, it, it's just a, it's a fun thing to do if you have the are time. You, are you asking me to be in your band, Josh? <laughs> do you want <laughs> well, to start a moving, Jersey but, band? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and we're talking about fun songs to play because this week we got a doozy that is also a very fun song to play, and it is uh, Repeat Offender, REO Speedwagon, Roll With The Changes from their 1978 album, You Can Tune a Piano, But You Can't Tune a Fish, written by Kevin Cronin and produced by Kevin Cronin, Gary Rick- Rickrath, Paul Group, John and John Boylan, and released on Epic. So we teased this a little bit on the last pod, and I, I said that this is one of the greatest album titles of all time, and it's really just a dad joke, yeah, but yeah, yeah. this album is something that sticks out to me from my childhood. I talked about my dad having his badass stereo that he was so proud of, but we used to rock out to this vinyl all the time. I just have so many fun memories with this song, it, whether it be with my family um, I got a I got a couple buddies that live over in England, and I don't know if they had never heard of Ario Speedwagon or never heard this song, but for whatever reason they like love this song. Um, <laughs> my little sister got married, so my little sister lived in Charleston, South Carolina. They had their wedding down there while they lived down there, but they did it right. They invited everybody down. It was basically a week long party, and somehow this became like the theme song to that week. <laughs> Um, oh, I love it. There's just so many good, like, feel-good things about. It. I, I like. I can't. I can't hear. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish without hearing my dad saying it. And my dad's from the Bronx, and he's got like the, the yeah. thick accent. He never lost it. And I wanted to do a David Bowie song, but Neil, mm-hmm. you picked a David Bowie song, and then I was like, well, I, if I can't do Bowie, I'll do a Bruce Springsteen song. And there was like all these deep reasons that I was I wanted to get into it like I'm gonna unpack all this music theory and things that I want to talk about with music and the weird happenstance of how this worked out you both picked Mm -hmm. artists that I was gonna go with and Josh on the first podcast we recorded you said something about like that's rock and roll this song is just pure fucking rock and roll like start to finish, it's rock. I could listen to it. I listen to a hundred times. I'm not gonna get tired of it. It doesn't matter what mood you're in. Like it, it fits. There's always something that you can use the song for, and it just felt right. Well, uh, Anthony, I'm so happy you chose this. Uh, you know, we just met on this podcast, but um, your cool points rose like. 50 points when you chose this. Um, I had chosen an REO Speedwagon song uh, previously, and I really was having an existential crisis on choosing this or uh, the one I chose. This song just makes me happy. It's just so good. I remember the time when I when it first clicked. This song and REO Speedwagon, um, I was driving around LA, and it was on the radio back when you used to actually listen to the radio. Oh, yeah. um, and there's this one point in the song like it's like at 431 the during the solo where he goes basically jumps like three octaves from a really high note to a really like low note and i just thought that was so cool i was kind of into the solo and i at that moment ario speedwagon for me went from a cheesy little 80s fun group to like oh my god i love these guys anytime they come up so it was just that one moment where everything um changed for me and yeah, it's 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 easy to call this and their sound cheesy, but like Kevin and Gary, they all fucking mean it. They are there to rock oh God, your yeah. fucking face off. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just from a guitar player's perspective, I mean, get one th- thing straight. This is some fucking amazing guitar playing, and it's and it's real like <laughs> it's it's pure rock and roll because it's he's showing off that like from the first like. He comes in with a fucking dive bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like it's yeah. he's just showing off and doing it right the whole time. Uh, yeah, and it's a great message. Um, wonderful song. 
I, I love how we went from 1978 arpeggio lead in to 1978 arpeggio lead in from uh, <laughs> from because the night <laughs> to roll with the changes. Let me just first off, this is a this has less gravitas and it's a weaker song than because the night, but this song is way more fun. I always like to talk about like rock sounded the best in the in the late 70s or in the 70s in general and this is like excess rock at its most ridiculous best you, you know they're just like we're gonna take all the elements and just throw it into this one song and it's just gonna kind of the, the the entire song is gonna like you said neil have this energy from start to finish you're not gonna be bored at all uh listening to this song like it's loud and yes it's cheesy it, but it's got like an undeniable sing-along catchiness and as you both said, it fucking rips. So I love how REO Speedwagon is our third repeat offender with uh, the Stones and Led Zeppelin uh, being the <laughs> yeah, other man. two. So, you know, it just, just fits perfectly. Uh, <laughs> um, although, you know, Dylan has had a couple. Hendrix has had a couple. Springsteen's been involved in a couple. Bowie has as well. But uh, just as, in terms of bands, you know, th- their catalog in general alternates between very rockin' and very cheesy, like, I think this song is like the perfect representation of both of those things. Like I would say like taking on the run is not as cheesy as this song. Like the lyric is just a little more badass than, than the, than this tune, but well, the beginning um, of taking on the run is cheesier than this song. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the, the main thing is, is just a really fun, pure rock and roll song. I mean, it is, it, it, it's every, like you said, Anthony, it's everything rock and roll. Well, it's funny. You're calling it cheesy. <laughs> So last time I admitted something embarrassing about having Nicki Minaj in my top plays. I'm going to tell you something that's embarrassing this go around. I I brought myself back around to remembering that this is an American rock and roll band. I when I <laughs> when I think of Ario Speedwagon, <clears throat> this song aside, I I just hear like a very glitzy, glamoury their hair. Huh. I had convinced myself and maybe it's because of the connection with my British buddies. But I had convinced myself that they were like a British rock band. <laughs> and then as I went back into this, like, oh my God, they are from Chicago. <laughs> you know, we did, we talked about the, the Bowie song. And I think I said in the influence, like, this is, you know, this is where hair metal came from. But then, like, you, you you hear this, and you see the, like, them play this live, and you look at them, and you're like, this is 1978. This is before Motley Crue. This is, or, or they were more established than Motley Crue was up just beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Van Halen was kind of just releasing albums. This is, like, more representative of what was to come. I think, you yeah. know, from the rockin' to the balladry to, to the sometimes very schlocky lyric and and just really putting it all in there like this is what rock and roll has become this kind of glitzy clamorous hair but again the one thing is i think when you do see a lot of those bands like in the 80s poison and rat and all these people it, it, it kind of feels like they're trying to like yeah make an attitude yeah these guys are no. not making up anything like you watch you listen to this you watch them live it's like these are like some Midwestern dudes yeah. from Illinois just fucking getting after it and being unapologetically into what who they are and what they are. And I think probably hurt them moving into the 80s and their legacy moving forward because I think you just look and watch them play and you're like, God, these guys, mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're so earnest. And like you mentioned, Josh, I think they were a bit ahead of their time basically mixing all this stuff together into this arena rock sound. They had catchy melodies and hooks. I think listening to this song, the one thing I kept coming back to was like, okay, you take like the badass 70s Aerosmith, mm-hmm. combine it with pop rock mm-hmm. anthem, early 90s Aerosmith, and like this song kind of combines like Aerosmith's whole career in mm-hmm. one song and does it re- really well. I mean, we'll start here. I mean, I'm just going to say this is probably my favorite part. I'm, I'm wondering if, it, if it's yours, is the solo. If you don't know Ario Speed, if you only know the ballads, you listen to the song, and then this solo comes out. I mean, even though the beginning, like Neil said, you know, he Rick Rath comes in and makes his presence known very early. But that solo is just outstanding in terms of you have no idea it's coming, and they're like, oh, we're, gonna, we're about to jam for a minute, minute and a half, and it's going to be this epic keyboard solo into not his best guitar solo, but... I almost feel like 
he was trying not to upstage that piano set solo before it. Yeah, I mean, he the whole goddamn song's a guitar solo. He is yes. he is rocking out the whole time, and I, I was laughing. Um, I know if we were recording this, Josh would have been like, "Those guitars need to come down, Neil. Come down." <laughs> those, that, those are drowning out the, 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 the sweet vocal I'm trying to, to trying to do. You're here. stepping you're, all you're... over that organ solo. <laughs> You're right. I, I did. I, I even wrote that down. I was like, the guitar is more standout throughout the entire song, whereas the, that organ solo or whatever it is, Hammond, mm-hmm. piano, just kind of comes out of, I don't want to say nowhere, because it starts off with it, and it kind of chugs through the song. I mean, the keys are pretty much the bass, your bass rhythm of the song, but then it just kind of uplifts there, and, and really, I, I love everything he plays. I love mm-hmm. the solo, but I, I'm 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 th- I'm thinking about a lot of things, and I'm thinking about jumping. I'm thinking about jumping around a little bit. So jump around. Do do we know the story of how this song came to be written? Mm-hmm. I I read about it. Yeah, let's, just, let's talk about it because I want to come back to why I like so much of what I like. And and Neil, you made the comment. <laughs> Josh would be telling you to turn that guitar down. So <laughs> apparently, the story is that Kevin Cronin had left REO Speedwagon in 1972 due to creative yep. differences, which mm-hmm. I think from here on out, I'm going to say every ex-girlfriend of mine that we split up due to creative differences. <laughs> Why hasn't there been a band named Creative Differences? Oh, that could be the title <laughs> There's your of band. Pod. There's your band, Anthony. <laughs> that's that's one-man band called Creative Differences. <laughs> That's why you're a one-man band. It, it makes sense. I, that's right. That's right. Just, just me and my lonesome. How could you have creative differences? It works on so many levels. <laughs> but so he, he got asked to be back in the band in 1976 and was moving from Illinois to California, which they had moved in the meantime. And this sounds very unsafe, but he hooked a U-Haul up to his Ford Mm -hmm. Pinto hatchback. Mm -hmm. True story. And he was about to Denver, decided he was going to take a detour to Tucson. There's always a girl. He had to go see a girl. And he was just kind of, you know, drumming on his dashboard. And this chorus just came to him. And I love stories Mm -hmm. like this. Oh, yeah. I don't necessarily think that this is one of those transcendental moments in songwriting like some of those other stories. This is pretty basic. He was just like, I caught myself singing, keep on rolling, keep on rolling, roll with the changes. But then he stopped somewhere in New Mexico, wrote the lyrics, and was like, I got it. So I bring all that back to the Christmas callback, right? We are seven, eight days, depending on what time zone you are. And maybe I'm not very good at math. We might be eight or nine days, somewhere within a week away from Christmas. But apparently, Gary Richrath went into the studio on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Cronin said, we've been working too hard, man. I got to take a day off. Christmas is the time for us to take a day off. Hark the Herald, Richrath says, I'm going in. I'm laying down the tracks. And they come back together and they're like, oh my God, that's it. So all of those ripping guitar licks and riffs were just a Christmas miracle. Yeah, love it. <laughs> I did not know that little portion. And to bring it back to this whole solo thing, there's this little part at the end where they go into that vocal harmony. It's the ooh, ah. Yeah. The guitar, the organ, everything is just like being a former choir man. It's all just a perfect like vocal harmony. But my favorite part, is right after that organ solo, which, by the way, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You're like, what? Where? <laughs> exactly. Why? But I, I want the it. The organ solo finishes, and it's that first big bend in the solo. Yeah. And the more I think about this, Josh, you're right. It is cheesy. Like, this is a little bit, like, Tenacious D-level mm-hmm. cheesy. But that bend is, like, the rock god mm. orgasm. It's just, like, the spotlight shifts on stage to the guitar Big bend, big hair, and just right into this ridiculous guitar yeah, solo. Yeah, I, I thought about it when the, whenever the, the, the keyboard solo would come in, I'd be like, this just sounds like I'm at a bar in L.A. and like a band's playing like good cover songs that I like. And then the key, and then all of a sudden there's a keyboard solo and I just stop and just watch and I'm making the face. I'm like, ooh, damn, 
<laughs> oh my god. Because the beginning of the keyboard solo is a little cheesy, but then it, it drops all cheese. Yeah, no, it's it, legit. It, it's a great... It's, it's, you know, Greg Allman, fucking Pigpen, whoever's playing keys after Pigpen for the dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it is a legit, jammy, fucking awesome keyboard solo mm-hmm. that, that I, I feel like is something that I've never heard anyone talk about, but I feel like it's underappreciated after, after listening to it for the last two weeks. Apparently, this hit Steven Stills' radar, mm. and he, uh, he said, I see what you did there. A little bit of Love the One yeah. You're With. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very Love the One oh, You're With. Okay. I mean, the, the melody, like, chord-wise, is very used. Common. You could find a thousand songs with that exact progression. Yeah. The beginning reminds me of, like, being on a trampoline. Because the bass is so, like, loose, like, like it's like an oral trampoline. Um, Anthony, you were talking about the big bend that starts that solo, but there's a, also an amazing bend, like at, right at 128, right before they go into the second chorus. It lasts like six seconds. He's just like, like just holds <laughs> on it until, so if you're tired. Oh, and yeah. then uh, the open-throated guitar in that part too, the right before keep on rolling. It's like just yeah. it's that low E or A or something. It's 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 a wide open string. Um, yeah, and Rich Rath is just I mean he hit every single trick, every his whole bag of tricks. He just poured the bag on the floor and was like, here you go, Christmas bag. <laughs> well, that, that's it. We talked about Iavine last week of making the songs big and what you just p- pulled up in, in any time like before they go to that so if you're tired of the like all the Mm buildings, and then even going to that that five there at the end i'll be here when you are ready to roll with the changes jump 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 and then they hold on it it's just all of the (laughs) buildings to what's coming next Mm -hmm. are just like you said all the tricks on the floor (laughs) it's just like let's fucking have at it and make this as big as we can and it doesn't disappoint like they, they they nail where they're going each time Yeah, and I think um, the production, like, they just have a certain quality to them that, you know, people call them cheesy. But listening to it, to what you were saying, Josh, with just the epic jam organ solo, like, everything that's being played here, like, I was imagining, like, Fish or, like, Jerry playing this, these exact same notes, obviously in his style, but, like, it really is authentic, just good fucking music, good blues rock. And you know, you mentioned the production, the, the the producer. Like this is the first time Cronin was uh, credited as a co-producer, and Paul Group as the engineer. He was like comes from more of a country background, like Pure Prairie League, Little River Band. But then the other guy, Pete John Boylan, worked with Linda Ronstadt. And then right before he did this album for them, he produced Boston's first album. Ah, yeah. Okay. And so you can really kind of hear like the epic, okay, mm-hmm. I'm good with you just going all, like really bringing that guitar out and, and doing this shit. It's, it's almost like a precursor to <laughs> War on Drugs. Yeah, yeah. Gary was like, should I dive bomb in? He's like, yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> well, you know, I always do a little digging. And obviously there were band changes and creative differences and all those things. But this is their seventh studio yeah. album, which for a band that hadn't really made it big, like that's mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of bands hanging up and, you know, get on with their lives, take a job working for the man. But this was the first album that Cronin and, and Richrath co-produced. Yes. And maybe not coincidentally, it was the first album that made a top four. Yeah. So this was actually that this charted at 58, which was their highest at the time. Uh, but yeah, they had to had riding the storm out, I think was their biggest mm-hmm. song before this. And then this album also has Time for Me to Fly, which mm. was another song that I think charted for them as well. But in terms of musicianship, production, melody, all of that stuff is great. I think for me, the part of the song that like, if you, when you dive into it, where you're like, okay, this is, it, it is the lyric. The lyric is pretty schlocky. Yeah, yeah. I, I do love the the on the road like keep on rolling, keep on. Ro-. I mean, it's it very like when you hear that story, you're like, of course. Like it's just like why hadn't somebody done it before? Like mm-hmm. got to roll with the changes. It's just such a common 
common phrase, but like some of the lyrics in the song are just well, the, the verses mean, are just uh, they're they're just getting you to back to the chorus, really. <laughs> like a sweet sun shower. <laughs> yeah, like a sweet sun shower is like, come on, man, you could have done better. Cronin. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, to me, my ear. I, we've talked about this a little bit, but my ear has never been very lyrically mm-hmm. oriented. It's yeah. always more towards. It's more orchestral. Yep. That sounds sexier than saying I like music. For me, <laughs> the late 70s, and probably more so 77, 78, is like peak of American rock and roll. And I don't give a shit. Bring me all the cheese because this song works. There's nothing that I want to like dig into about music theory. I'm like, I know what we're doing. Yeah. I know exactly where you're going. You kind of wrote a little bit of a canned song. It's a Big Mac, but damn, mm-hmm. that Big Sometimes Mac tastes they're... good. Perfect. The musicianship is so good in this band. Like when you hear them, I think that's what one of the things is like they could really fucking rock out. And they do in this song throughout the song. And because they like you said in the beginning, Neil, he sings with such passion and energy and is just unapologetically mm-hmm. who that guy is. Yeah. The the lyric is almost irrelevant. Yes, it's cheesy when you dive into it, but it doesn't really matter. Well, I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to I, I sent you guys that isolated track. Mostly it's the guitar and vocals, yeah. but you hear the keyboard in and out. I'm a jam band guy, so I love when you have the piano interplay with the guitar oh, yeah. and the, the whole band. And I'm sure that you could pick out a thousand examples pre-1978 where you get the exact same thing. But to me, that's one thing that this song does a really good job of is that space, the back and forth. But if you listen to just the isolated Rich Rat track, it's nothing but licks like the whole time. Like The only time he actually plays chords is in the chorus, Mm -hmm. and it's just like basic power chords. But the rest of it, he is just shredding. And there's some stuff where... He's almost doing a little bit of a Tom Morello thing at one point where he kind of like scratches yeah, on no, the Yeah, no, yeah, he's doing everything. He's it, muting it just, and perfect. yeah, he's every trick. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot of swagger. There, there's no denying there. We should mention the rest of the band. As, as we've discussed, Kevin Cronin is lead and backing vocals, rhythm guitar, piano. Gary Richrath is lead and rhythm guitars. Neil Doty is Hammond organ and Moog synthesizer. Bruce Hall is bass. I think this was his first uh, album with them. Alan Greitzer's on drums. I don't love the drum sound, not going to lie. I, I, I'm, I'm not technically sound enough to tell you exactly why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's another element of the song that makes it cheesy. It just doesn't sound as good as the rest of the, the instruments it, to me. Yep. And then there is Angel, Trost Claire, Denise McCall, Denny Henson, and Tom Kelly doing backing vocals on the song, which... It's similar to the Derek Truck to bring up Derek Trucks again. We talked about that song a couple couple episodes ago, Neil, where they do the thing where the background vocals are carrying the chorus. Mm-hmm. Like Cronin just does the Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta 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 You know, and, and but it's all the background vocals are doing the oh, yeah. keep on rolling. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I wonder how that decision is made. Is where like Cronin's just playing piano. He's like, "You guys take that. I'm just gonna scat over the top of you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like during the ten times that we do this. Well, apparently this was an, another moment between Cronin and Richrath where they kind of developed a groove as songwriters because. They, did, they didn't really write songs together. Yeah. They would kind of write them in isolated parts, and they would critique and chop them up and help each other. But Cronin wrote that song on the road, and he showed it to Richrath, and he was like, I don't know what else I need to do here. This It's it's there, but it's not done. And Richrath is like, what are you talking about, man? You got the hook. Yeah. It's done. And, yeah, keep on rolling. It's done. And Cronin said that he, he didn't usually bring up the stuff, but he was just playing around the piano, and he – that arpeggio that come, that brings it in that kind of gives you what the rest of the song. I mean, that gives you the whole swing and vibe mm-hmm. of the song, and I'm sure that gave Richrath a lot, you know, even more so than the melody to, to work. Okay, this is the vibe we're playing at. All right, mm-hmm. everybody's playing off of that at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that you don't like the drums. I I feel in the limited time that we've gotten to know each other that you have an ear for like quality production, especially <laughs> on the drum sound. I like the drums because it doesn't, it's not doing more than it needs to do. 
it's, the song to me has a very driving feel. Like it's constantly moving. It's constantly moving forward, and it's it it almost it's like it's a car going down the road. Oh yeah, and the drums just do a good job of like continuing to drive it's, it. It's doing what it needs to do. It's the sound of the thud and the thwack or whatever you want to. The, that there's just something, especially like after because of night, the night, the drum sounds in that mm-hmm. were just so great, and even the Bowie song. The drums were so great sounding. Like if you if you listen to all three of these songs in a row, you'll be like, "There's something different about that drum sound." It's not what he's playing and how they're carrying the song and the beat. Because as I said, the, that arpeggio is kind of carrying. It's telling the drummer what he's going to be doing in the song. Yeah. And, and again, like the lyric, the drums are somewhat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really fucking matter. You know, it's just listening to it. I'm like, <laughs> eh, well, I'm going to critique it. I guess. I guess that. I guess I'll throw that in there. Also, this is another song, Neil, that we talked about a couple times where I didn't realize this before we dove into it. The hook doesn't come in until the end. Like, you go verse, little chorus, verse, chorus, little solo, chorus, and then then they do the keep on rolling. Like, keep on rolling doesn't happen until... Yeah, they do roll with the changes, but not the the big keep on rolling. Yes, Keep on rolling is basically just an outro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's keep on rolling, solo, keep on rolling, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the big finish. And it's they, they keep on rolling for a while there at the end. Anyway, on that note, any, anything else you guys want to add before we get to the fun stuff? Anthony, thank you for choosing this song. I think it'll be uh, one of my um, theme songs over the next couple months as I trek across <laughs> the country and roll with the changes and drive all the way to New Jersey. It's not just you, Neil, right? Josh, Josh has yeah, some changes yeah. in his life. That's we right. owe a, a big congrats to I'm, him. I'm, I'm rolling with the, uh, with, a... the, with the newborn changes. <laughs> That's right. I got a Bond girl in the, in the household now. Nice. That's amazing. <laughs> but on that note, let's get into the fun stuff and start vibing. So, Anthony, it's, it's your, your last, last chance this go-round to uh, bring us into the vibe time portion of this podcast. So help us out here in three, two, one. I don't want to get grandiose. There's there's nothing to be grandiose about this song. And if you know me, you know. Like if there's a thread to pull on where I could go deep on something, like I'm gonna make it deeper than it needs to be. It's not here. It's there. not a bad thing. It's not it's not there here. To me, the vibe <laughs> is just you're hanging out with your family, your friends, you're hanging out outside, you're jamming, you're laughing, reminiscing. You might have a couple cold pops around. But when this song comes on, it's it's time to turn up the volume. It's time to pop another top and wake up your neighbors and just yeah. good vibes all around. Yeah, I like it. Um, I actually, I, at first I was thinking like this is there's so much going on like musically that I want this in headphones and like not with other people, just so I can get into that <laughs> mode. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, now that now that I have a I have a kid of my own, my girlfriend has two other ones, so there there's five of us here. I was like, next road trip, two hours in. You know, the girls have their earbuds in, maybe watching something on the screen. I'm like, all right, screen's off, earbuds out. Let's go. Roll with Let's the changes. Let's go. Maybe like when we're about 20 minutes out from destination. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, roll it up. Or maybe even when you're like taking one of them to college. And it's just like, mm-hmm. as soon as you are ready. And, and then I'll be seeing it. So, some people in the car are going to be like, fuck yeah. And the other ones are going to be annoyed and like, oh, God, no, what is They this? might be annoyed, but I they'll love like, it secretly. You're going to be so happy when your whole family is hitting the perfect harmony on the keep on rolling. And you're just, oh. just acapella. Exactly. Neil, what about you? Um, I want this. I love this song, but I want it. I want to be surprised. Um, like I said, uh, REO their whole kind of uh, vibe for me switched when I heard them on the radio, but I want someone else to put this on so I can give them the slow-mo head nod. Like, fuck. Yeah. Nice call, buddy. (laughs) Nice, nice choice. Uh, Hey, well, speaking of giving a silent head nod, I think that's time to to slide under the influence and talk about the influence of this. Neil, Neil, you get us started here. What what do you hear? Um, you brought it up prior, but I hear a lot of Van Halen in this, just with the show-off guitar, the big stadium rock sound. Um, and then yeah. going a little deeper, um, it reminds me of like 80s and 90s Almond Brothers, uh, like Nobody Left to Run With, Back Where It All Begins, kind of like that phase of the Almonds. Um, I hear that. I hear some Eddie Money in there. Ooh, Eddie Money, good call. <laughs> and then for some reason... Uh, like anytime I even think of REO Speedwagon, I also think of um, 
Mr. Big and to be with you. Like it's it's such an it should have been an REO song. <laughs> Just to be the... uh, okay, okay. I, it, it's funny. Like I, I mentioned it, but they are like '80s hair metal. Yeah, without the yeah, without, like, without the without forced the, like, attitude. So glitzy and like spray tans. <laughs> Just a bunch of guys from the Midwest that you're like these yeah. guys, and they're like, damn, uh-huh, these guys. Uh-huh. I, I did hear a live version of them with sticks, which is a contemporary, and a, I, you know, I think they're better than sticks, but it's definitely in that vein. Mm-hmm. And again, as I said, it's just like Aerosmith. You take the the badass parts and then the the pop rock of the '90s and just combine it. Kind of makes me think of these guys. It reminded me of Hey Jude, just the end, how big it gets, and just the. Keep on rolling. Yeah, yeah. Anthony, what about you? You know, I I struggled with this one to think of anything that it really influenced down the road. To me, this is, we talked about it, 70s, especially the late 70s, it's peak rock and roll. For what it's worth, if, if you guys are dead fans, 77, 78, best years for me. And, like, this is the sweet spot in my music taste is 75 to 80. Yeah. And I just think that this is, like, talented band they've been together for a while and they were just like we need to get our hit we, we got it we know we got one in us where is it and i just think it's just pure like i said it's pure fucking rock and roll and it finally came together for them it may have taken a cross-country drive to get there oh, yeah. but it's just it's a culmination of everything that happened in the 70s maybe maybe a little bit of the trend towards pop music I'll concede to you, Josh, it's a little cheesy, but it's just, I think you're hearing the sound of an era that loved rock, it loved simple lyrics, and it loved big guitar riffs in Hammond organ solos. And I will also add that I think this is a band, I mean, I'm surprised that this, I feel like this is a band that could have come out then and now and been big. I don't think that they would have worked during grunge. I don't even think they would have really worked in the late eighties. I don't think they would have worked in the early aughts, but I think in like the last five years, if this band came out, people would be like, this band fucking rocks. And and they would have had bound like a niche. Well, not to, not to dip into covers too quick, but well, no, let's slide on the covers. Now let's do it right now. <laughs> well, to what you're talking about right now, I did see a mashup on Jimmy Kimmel of, he introduced it as Imagine Ario Speed Dragons. So it was Imagine Dragons <laughs> and Kevin Cronin doing this song. Um, it was a little disappointing, but uh, but noteworthy. That's hilarious. Um, I, I didn't really I didn't really hear any covers of note. Did you listen to that Kelly and the Ding Dongs? <laughs> no, I did not. It was pretty cool. It's just a woman singing it. There's some cool harmonies, and it's it's a little dry, um, which was cool. And then. I found on YouTube this band called The Moderates doing a cover of this, and it sounded like Blink-182 doing uh, fucking Roll With The Changes. A little pop-pop. Again, not really my cup of tea, but uh, I enjoyed it for the first half, and then I was out. I was a little surprised by that one. (laughs) Yeah? I I was like, ooh, I kind of like the way this is starting off. It's a little different, and then it went straight into like, where are you? (laughs) If you're tired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I only heard shitty like bar band versions of this that that take the cheese level and make it musically cheesy as well which i, I did not listen to much yeah of. it's tough i listened to some live versions as well that were nowhere near as good as the original recording um either which it it had the energy but just all the parts in the in the actual recording yeah it's really it's quite an accomplishment out. it's i'm sure it was tough to play live it's tough to cover because like you just you know you can't manufacture that machismo and raw talent everything that aria was it's tough to really replicate i've been messing around with it it's tough to like capture the energy of a song like this just with an acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. and no Mm -hmm. rhythm section and i feel like this is a song that he probably couldn't play solo like you need the band behind you to, to keep that up so in that sense it's probably a better performance than a song but well oddly enough i found a version that kevin cronin played acoustic it was on like the Artie Lane oh, yeah, show in 2013, and it was like very meh. Like it yeah. to me, it sounded like you're sitting at like a hotel bar <laughs> somewhere on a beach, and it's just like I know some dude that's gonna play a Jimmy Buffett song next, and you're like, <laughs> eh. yeah. 
I did find a version though where, and again, this is 2014 Ario Speedwagon. They played with 2014 Chicago, so like not the same bands whatsoever. <laughs> but to have like a 3,000 piece band playing this. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. All right, all right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about how the shoe fits. Uh, it's your song, Anthony. So, how does the shoe fit for "Roll with the Changes"? Well, to me, it's a it's just a pair of crispy white Nikes. It's <laughs> it's the most versatile crispy. shoe you can have in the arsenal. You can dress it up. You can dress it down. You can wear it with pants, shorts. You can put on a jacket, a suit. If you if you had one shoe to wear for the rest of your life, and if you're not a Nike person, whatever, just a white pair of tennis shoes because i can listen to this song forever those white shoes are gonna roll mm-hmm. with the changes with you so are they dad like shoes? are they like dad it. shoes or like nice white no sneakers? like are we, talk- are we talking white yeah. 80s kids is i think that's well <laughs> no we're, we're talking like some air force ones or i'm, some I'm talking i'm talking Classy. white 80s kids um uh no this right. it it fits uh but i i had down it's it's kind of like a jc penny tennis shoes <laughs> you know what i mean just like that and i can just picture kevin like wearing those in his pinto like scribbling on his fucking fast food bag these lyrics um and it's just just because midwest and you know just Cronin just seems like such a uh, just such a funny guy, man. An unsuspecting rock star for sure. Um, yeah. And you know, to go call all the way back to Anthony when you were talking about the drive, it really is kind of magical. I mean, it, it feels like a movie scene. Him yeah. just like packing his stuff up, hitting the road, and then writing like arguably one of their greatest songs of all time. It's, if it happened. As he said, it's 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 it was a pretty magical moment. So hey, if you can't be with the one you love, <laughs> keep on rolling. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it it is driving, and I for me being so into music the way I am, I thought about this, and if there were like in an in case of emergency break glass for like you know you need a song behind it, I'd probably tuck this one in there because it doesn't like if you're having a bad day, if you're having a good day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. There's it to me. This is just a song that it always sounds good. And for as cheesy as the lyrics are, like I told you, if there's one thread for me to pull on, I'll get a little bit deep. There is one constant in life, right? And it's change. And change is always gonna happen. And it's just one of those things where, like, if you can put on a good rock song, make you think, like, you know what? We're gonna roll with the changes. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love it. And oh, and for me, I didn't I didn't tell y'all how the shoe fit for me. It feel, it fits like a woven slipper or like a woven sandal. It's not the most comfortable, but it's flexible. It can like go in water, go in the sand, in the heat, and if it's cold, it can be worn with socks or even better, a pair of wool socks. Mm. So it, it looks off, but it feels so good. Is 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 my love it. Love it. Is my shoe. So on that note. Anthony, we really appreciate you doing this, man. Hope to have you back at some point in the future, uh, if you'll. Yeah, have us. fantastic guest. I love your passion and your your musical knowledge. You know more than you think. That's for sure. You keep telling telling us you don't, but then you have many insightful <laughs> nuggets. Well, thank you both for having me on, and I guess begrudgingly shout out to Billy Griffin for connecting <laughs> us. This, it, guys, this has been so fun, and I, I can't say it enough. You guys are pros. This is. <laughs> Your podcast is great, and congrats to both of you for some big changes that you're going to have to roll yeah, with in your oh, life. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully when we, when, when we have you back, creative differences will be off the ground, and we can maybe talk about one of your, <laughs> one of your songs with your, with, your, with, your solo, with your solo outfit, Creative Differences. I'm just hoping to finally publish a noteworthy cover of Roll With The Changes. I, 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 on that note, our cover of, of Aria Speedwagon's Roll With The Changes. Tired of the same 
Got me through my darkest hours Heard the thunder clapping Felt the desert burning Till you poured on me like a sweet sun shower So if you're tired of the same old story Oh, turn some pages I'll be here when you are ready To roll with the changes Baby, roll with the changes cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Anthony Saratelli. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is my week, and we will be discussing Hank Williams Sr. Lovesick Blues. Can't wait! <laughs>